That's what you are. Pun forgettable. Are we recording right now? This is gold. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're listening to Coding Blocks, episode 22. Subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, and more using your favorite podcast app. And visit us at codingblocks.net where you can find show notes, examples, discussion, and more. And send your feedback, questions, rants, and comments to comments at codingblocks.net and follow us on Twitter at codingblocks or head to www.codingblocks.net and find out all our social media links there at the top of the page. So with that, welcome to Coding Blocks. I'm Alan Underwood. I'm Joe Zach. And I'm Michael Outlaw. And uh, start us off with a little bit of news here. First of all, we wanted to thank Anders Bowman, who commented on a prior episode and recommended two tools, TDD Helper and NCrunch. And I actually just installed both of these today, but I haven't used them yet. But uh, NCrunch will basically kind of run your tests in the background. And TDD Helper, I'm actually particularly excited about. It's a Visual Studio plugin that will, um, it does a bunch of stuff like generate tests and things like that. But it also lets you hop back and forth easily between your tests and your implementations, which is particularly annoying if your uh, files have very similar names. So I thought that was really cool. So thank you, Anders. Yeah, and that was actually, um, we've mentioned the book, The Art of Unit Testing. InCrunch was actually one of the uh, tools referenced in that book as well. Oh, very nice. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Also, um, wanted to uh, see if you guys are interested in doing a quick uh update on your resolutions which you've already forgotten did everybody cheat and look back (laughs) to figure out what they were two weeks ago so so Uh. if you're following me on any of the social platforms you would know that i have been incredibly uber social in these uh, past few weeks and like thousands of tweets and everything like you probably you probably know everything i've i've eaten and every bowel movement i've had great (laughs) yep We actually did just get thanked on Twitter uh, for not sharing what we had for lunch. Yeah, I'm, I was totally being sarcastic. Like, I haven't really at all. Yeah, and I'm still, I'm still just as guilty as always. Like, you know, I, I'm not active on any of them, but the little activeness that I am is on Twitter. Yeah, nice. So, what about you? Uh, I have been whining less about JavaScript. Uh, I've been trying to get in touch with my UI side. Uh, I did play around with Rust a little bit um, a couple weekends ago. That was actually really cool. Uh, I'm hoping to kind of transition a, a little bit more to F sharp, just as a way of kind of gaining perspective to more like functional style. So I would say I've made some baby steps there. And as for stop saving things in the background, true story, I created a folder called temp on the desktop. <laughs> and while that just sounds like a different desktop folder. <laughs> because it is. <laughs> the only difference is I only put things in there that I can delete. So I know that, you know, a Monday morning or whatever I sit down on my computer, I can just blow that whole folder away and there's nothing important there because I've only saved temporary things in there. Baby steps. Baby that, steps. That works. He'll create a temp2 folder for the things that, he, that are temporary <laughs> temp- that he can't delete. Right. Yeah, that's how it's going to end up by, you know, like late January. <laughs> Untemp. Yeah. Um, I, for me, I have not written any articles, sat down, done any video tutorials or anything yet. So I've still got half the month to go. I'll yeah, get that, something in there. That's actually a big part of the reason why I haven't started my uh, my Ruby training yet is because I haven't found your course yet on Ruby. Right. Fair enough. Fair so enough. So I was kind of holding off on that one. Yeah. I, fair enough. I get that. Um, I actually I made some progress tonight on the course thing because I've been given a few ideas that maybe I could do the course on. So. So that might be um, starting up in the works here pretty soon. So we'll see. Ruby, here I come. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll uh, check in again in February. 
Yep. If uh, you don't oh, forget. Oh, man, we're going to like check up on these monthly. <laughs> <laughs> it's January, and you're already giving up on your resolutions? Hey, look. <laughs> Better hey, than that, we're like two weeks in. <laughs> if anybody's driven to the gym in the first two weeks of January, they'll know in February that everybody quit on their on their New Year's resolutions. So, <laughs> Bummer. Yeah, we're in good company. <laughs> uh, that's another good joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, uh, we got several reviews here in the past few weeks, which is just awesome. Uh, I think one of our consensus favorites was um, on Stitcher recently from Pun Forgettable. It was long. It's worth going to Stitcher just to read this guy's thing. He basically tells us that we're all about to turn into JavaScript code monkeys anyways. <laughs> which I'm not going to whine about. Well, <laughs> I'm not arguing. <laughs> Well, I mean, first of all, it's it's pun forgettable. So how how can you uh, not like that? That's right. Absolutely fantastic review. So thank you on that. We also got one from Johnny Chu, Adam the Hun, uh, Illustaria, and Jeremy RR, and Spitz Gobi, which yeah. I think we might have mentioned him before. Uh, so high five. Yeah, <laughs> thank you to all of you guys for for taking the time to go up there and write reviews for us. They are super appreciated and. And we look forward to more. We read all of them. So I uh, definitely appreciate it. Yep. Thank you very much. So uh, actually kind of on that note, uh, this episode we want to do a little bit of Q&A. We've gotten a lot of emails that we've been slacking on responding to. So we wanted to kind of <laughs> – My bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we put Michael Does in charge email of email count social. as a social platform? Yep. You're in charge of it now. Crap. <laughs> so uh, we wanted to kind of address some of those on air and, uh, you know, of course, get you guys' feedback as well too. So um, – the first question came to us from, uh, I'm going to be looking up <laughs> after we start talking, and I'll mention it in a second, uh, but it basically um, was around organizing common code. So, um, you know, how do you arrange namespaces, things like that, um, enum. So I just wanted to see what you guys thought about that. This came from James. James. Um, so I know, Joe, you're very big on this. I have thoughts. I, we'll let you kick this one off. Like, what, what's your big deal? So what he actually said uh, when he wrote us, and it was a fairly long email, um, but we'll pick out the pieces of it. Like, he had some projects where he worked on where it was basically dictated that he had to put all his enums in one namespace oh and maybe, you know, uh, do other things like that or – like I just threw up in my ear listening to you say that. <laughs> um, and he he also talked about like he had to break things out into multiple namespaces, and so every time that he wanted to do any piece of code, he would have to bring in multiple dependencies and references and all that. So, yep, it's it's something that we've all seen as programmers, and I think a lot of it comes from people. You know, when they start something out, they have good intentions, and then it kind of gets out of control. So, so Jay Z, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, of course, uh, I like lots of stuff. So I, you know, advocate, advocate for lots of folders, lots of projects, lots of files with lots of little functions in them. Uh, actually, not that many functions, but lots, lots in the grand scheme of things. So uh, I, I definitely, um, <laughs> yeah, I've played a lot around with a lot of different things, and I've kind of gotten there after doing a lot of experimentation. Like I start a lot of side projects and I don't finish them. And what I do most of the time in the first couple hours is basically just play with the solution file. And like, here's my library. Here's my I've done the I've done the um, enums thing actually. I, I used to call that my definitions project, where I would have interfaces and stuff like that. It's kind of experimenting. And the reason I would do that would be to avoid cyclic dependencies because I was doing stuff that I shouldn't be doing, like having dependencies uh, kind of cross namespaces and stuff, which is gross. So I probably understand. Whoa, 
why that company uh, was doing that with the enums. So, um, you know, I feel the pain. But anyway, that's just kind of my preference right now is basically to spread it all out. Like I would be most happy if I had the same number of files in every folder and each file had the same number of lines. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's like I'm not a very OCD person. When it comes to code, like – It'd be so nice to have everything lined up like little soldiers. That's See, interesting. Th- <clears throat> so I guess I guess my take on that though, when he was talking about the 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 structure of it, especially like the whole concept of having like a namespace, or or, spe- or even worse, like a project just for like e- enums, yeah, or extensions. Like the the thing that I have, the problem that I have with that is like if 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 maybe you were just writing like. Here's this uh, library of things, and and I'm not using them anywhere. But here, you're welcome to it. Then you know, but I can't even think of like something valid for that. Like it, you know, generally in a real application, my vote would be like you, you know, keep it somewhat, you know, keep it close. I agree right? with that. Yeah. Now, now whether or not it's like within the same project, and then inside of that project, you have it in a folder. I'm I'm going to have less of an issue with that. It's like in your definitions. Uh, you know, it's like maybe you have your, like my app project, and then you have the definitions folder that you have them in there. I'm I'm more okay with that than I am like an entire namespace or or you know, I should say project just for like enums as an example. Well, mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting because I agree. Like if you have enums, they need to be close to where the definition is, right? Like if you, I don't know, if you have some sort of class that has an enum, it, it should be near that class it should not be in some sort of common shared project out there because it has no context where it sits which is my biggest problem with it um and then again you're also now bringing in a bunch of things everywhere that you need to include those references that that also are out of context so i don't really like that so i definitely context is a great point to bring up here like that's all the more reason why it kind of makes more sense to keep it close and he started this whole this, this started from him like going back to his email from the uh, I is for interface um, uh, show, which I believe that was like episode one. Yeah, and and uh, Joe had made a comment about he hates that they you know they have to uh, start with the I. Yeah, so because it messed up in your in your folder directory structure. That's what that's what you know. I guess spurred his email here. Yeah, because I didn't. I don't like putting them in their own uh, project. Well, you know, one thing that's interesting about that, and I'll cross over to Java real quick is. I worked with some pretty good Java developers, and one thing that kind of drove me crazy is, so Microsoft has their thing where they do I for their interface files, right? Well, the way that, that they were structuring things to, and, and the way that they were doing it in Java is they'd have, I don't know, person. Uh, that would be your interface, and then they would have person impl. Oh, and it's yeah. like, and it's like, okay, I pick your poison. Like, I, I, I I at least prefer the I because that's a little bit more explicit, right? Like impl, come on. And so, and it's it, again, but that's one of those things that kind of varies by community, though. Too. It does, and, right. and I'm not throwing stones here. I mean, these are all things that, that various different communities and different groups do. But um, they kind of took off as a convention among the Java community to do the impuls. But I, I'm with you. Like, I, it definitely is like you know, which battle do you like better? Do you right. like the impl or do you like the I in the beginning? I mean, the um, argument for the impl is at least if you do that, it keeps the class and the interface together, together right? But it's it's. But not what I as don't explicit. like about it though is that like, what happens if okay, fine, you create a person impl, mm-hmm. and now what if I want to create a person my my own impl, right? Mm-hmm. Like, 
Yep. I mean, you're not the real Impel now. Hey, right? by the you're way, Impel for too. all of you guys listening and have no idea what we're talking about, Impel is I-M-P-L for implementation. <laughs> right, yeah. but what I'm saying is like, yeah. you know, the whole idea is you're, you're trying to signify that, hey, this implements this interface. Right. Right? But now what if I need to create another class that implements that interface? Then you have to give it a real name. Yeah, now, yeah. now it's going to be Outlaw Impel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Person Impel Impel. Yeah, it's it's kind of, I, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of it. I, I wish there was another way to do it. I, but, Oompa Loompa Impel. Yep. Um, so, anyways, that, I guess getting away from that part of it. Uh, so, like, talking about the enums, we definitely think they should be closer to where they belong. And that that's kind of goes along with what Joe said about spreading it out. It goes with what I feel about, you know, if you have a class that's using that enum, that enum needs to either belong in that same file or real close to it. But what but, if there's four DLLs that all need those uh, enums? And see, and that's kind of interesting. So we've all run across those problems, right? If it's truly something shared, I don't think there's a problem having a common project. Like, we've done that, right? Like, uh, uh, let's think about, like, anytime you're doing session-type stuff in a in a web app, uh, we could all pretty much agree that you should basically try and rip out any session calls directly in your code, right? And then have something, if nothing else, for being able to test it later, is have another class that would be like your... Um, uh, your shared session type stuff and then it can either use like a web context or it could use an xml file or it could use whatever right so those are good putting off on the side but i mean enums are kind of special yeah i mean i feel like we're beating up on enums though no no but it's a good point right like well but i mean like overall though like the question was you know just around like uh, it was more general than just around emails, right, 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 like right. Code organization, because like one thing that came to mind too while we were talking about this was um, you know talking about the multiple namespaces and, and whatnot. Like I'm all for you know if you can create a well, I guess really uh, I'm thinking more like project level. You know if you could create a project that is self-contained and has uh, you know and try to have like few interdependent you know, or zero dependencies on other projects that'd be an ideal world right and then you know i don't care if i have to if you have like five of those that are um you know that i can use independently that aren't going to have dependencies on other ones but um you know, yeah. yeah minimizing dependencies is a big deal. i think that's the deal right so like if i guess looking at this if you had if you create something that now, if you were going to go look at a map of those things and you're going to have lines going back and forth and crisscrossing all over the place, something's probably wrong. Oh, you actually use that? Oh man, that that <laughs> is when it when it looks like literally nothing but a bunch of lines, like somebody took one. Of, what are those? The man, if it's not when you're a kid, <laughs> if the screen isn't just black, then you're doing it wrong. But it's awesome. But like the, I don't know if you were to have something like. Um, I, let's say user type, right? Which is something that might be used throughout an entire application. Maybe that enum exists in a common shared place in, in, in a common namespace. But if you're talking about something that's like class specific, then I think it should be stored closer to the class. If it's, if it's got some sort of global reach to it, then maybe you move that out. But I think having some sort of directive where basically it's like, all enums go here, and all of these go here. Then I yeah. think I think. Oh, you, I definitely think as a blanket rule, that's bad. Yeah, you, it yeah. should not be done that way. But there's it, cases where it's good. Yeah, because you know if you're talking about multiple DLLs, at that point your enums are basically data. You know, right. it's like not much different how, from having an XML file or something. So, so and I it's, get that. So, but back to your definitions thing. I mean, we actually worked on something like this together, where I thought that if if the core of your application 
you know, there's something consistent. If you're running a shopping cart or something and you have products, it's not a bad idea to maybe have a definitions thing that, that multiple projects can leverage because that product is the core of what everything yeah, so is. it's a common language. Yeah, opinion, so right? that's why I'm saying, like, if it's a global reach, if it's something that spans multiple things, let's say that you have processes that run over here and then your main shopping cart's over here, and they yeah, only use this product. To this, to this organization structure, so, like, so you have, like, uh, the products is defined in, say, a separate project. Yep. But next to that project class is the project... Er, I say project class. The product, the product class mm-hmm. next to it in the same project is the interface for product. Well, what we're saying is you might take that interface and put it into the common project, right? The, the dependency. I guess that's why I was saying you wouldn't. Well, so the reason I'm saying is let's say that um, let's say that you have something that, that processes these products to update inventory overnight, right? That's not going to be in your main app, right? That's going to be a separate thing. So now what are you going to do? Are you going to copy that product interface over into this new app? Or would you rather have that in in a common definitions area where all these different, you know, separate console apps or whatever could leverage that same interface? And that's what I'm saying. I feel so, like you're like arguing for the side that the com- that his company was. Doing. I'm saying you look at it on a case by case basis, right? So if you know that it's core to everything you do, then it might make sense to put it over there. If it's something that's literally just like. Hey, we got to buy one get one type thing. Like if you have a sale type thing, I, I don't know. I, just coming up with something off the top of my head, then then maybe that stays closer to the sales class or something like I guess, that. I guess the way I'm going to sum this up, at least from my point of view, is that more often than not, if you ha- if you had to view this as like erring erring on the side of caution, then more often than not, you should keep it close so that the context is there. I would agree with that. Yeah, I like that. One um, one other thing I wanted to add: make sure your folders and your name spaces match, or else uh, you know I get upset. And also, this is something I learned. <laughs> so does ReSharper. From, yeah, ReSharper and uh, Independ actually taught me this next one, which is uh, avoid crossing the streams. Um, by streams, I mean the name spaces. So you don't want to have a namespace, you know, A that's dependent on B and B that's dependent on A. Oh, uh, it's just a, a nasty co-spell. And it's easy to slip into something, and it uh, can be hard to remove, as I found with my own projects. So I uh, <laughs> definitely learned something there. Yeah, I mean, and you'll typically see that. I mean, don't get me wrong. Everybody will make that mistake on occasion, but you'll typically see that with newer programmers when they're like, well, I need something over there. I'll just add a reference to it, right? Um, it, but you can't compile if you have circular references. That not on DLLs, but you can on namespaces. Oh, uh, not on DLLs, but on namespaces. But the namespace is going to come. Well, I guess I'm thinking if the namespace compiles into a DLL. Yeah, because think about it, like the namespace is really just a, like if you do it using, it's a convenience for popping that you know that full fully qualified name all throughout your code. Right. So all it needs is like the signature information. All I know is I did it, <laughs> and uh, and <laughs> I mean I've definitely seen me. I've definitely seen circular dependencies that I've had to go back and undo yep well i've definitely ran across that before in various code bases to add to what outlaw said i agree keep it close to where it belongs and then reevaluate as necessary right like i mean unless you are really going through a true elongated sdlc which i i've never actually been in a company that truly used the sdlc all the way through and if you do it's usually multi-year projects um 
if you don't have that kind of environment, then refactor that stuff out, right? Like as you get in there and you notice that things, oh, you need to write a console app over here that uses the same stuff, but you don't want to bring in everything. Well, then at that point, you start breaking out those things that are commonly shared. So keep it close. I feel like life as a developer is just a constant refactoring effort. I agree. The good days, yes. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you're doing. Like, even if it's brand new code that you just wrote, you're going to look at it and be like, oh, I can change that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, and that's part of being a programmer, right? Like, you're constantly trying to improve things and make it more maintainable. So, I think, I think we, in consensus, we could say the blanket rules are bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know? Yeah, I definitely don't. Down like with that. dogma. Like, yep. So. Yeah. All right, so moving on to the next thing, we got another email from Anon, we'll say. I I believe it was Anonymous. Uh, Not real sure, but... uh, Wait, Anonymous is right in this? Anonymous is right. What's up, man? (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, We like you. No No problems there. Yeah, uh, so this one was really... And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that get hit with this. What do you do trying to graduate from schoolwork to work work? And he brought up a ton of different, uh, I guess, angles that that were kind of driving him crazy because he's a junior in school right now. And he's trying to figure out, hey, how do I get a job in the real world when I get out there? And and one of the things that he put, and I had to quote this because it was just awesome, you know, how do I become the tech polymath savant when I can't, you know, go get the skills that are needed when – I can't get the job to get the skills that I need when I don't have the skills that I need to get the job. Right, because so, you need 15 years of experience in Angular. Yeah, I mean, it, so... But it's so, only been out for... It doesn't matter. So the first thing I want to say, though, is the if you are somebody in tech and you are a junior or, or even a sophomore, I, I don't even know at what point you can do this. Go try and do an internship somewhere. That's what I was going to say, man. I mean, co-op or intern. Do that. Because I think, I think, um, I think after, I think at least for co-op, I think after two years. I think you can. You, you can start As co-op. you're a junior. So, so co-oping, <clears throat> you're basically, and I co-opt, you, you, uh, you work for a quarter, and then you go to school for a quarter, and then you work for a quarter, you go to school for, or, yeah, if, and, unless you're on a semester system. Yep. Um, but but basically the point is is like you know it's it's school on you know work off work on school off kind or of if you do intern you can work while you're going to school which, well eventually like in my case I eventually uh, you know was able to transition it to like full time school and full time co op you know uh, which isn't you know necessarily the typical scenario but the point is is though like you know if you're in school <clears throat> it's easier for you to go out and find work. And get some real world work experience while you're still a student in school because the requirements for you to get that job are going to be less, right? And um, it's going to make the things that you do in school easier for you to understand because now you're going to have a real world experience to relate those uh, school experiences to, right? So it's going to make it a whole lot easier to, to, take in that information in school but then by the time you do get out of school now to any employer that you want to go to they're going to see like well you weren't just you know using your time in school just to to party you were actually trying to uh get a foot in the door right yeah exactly And, and not to mention like just the networking you'll get from meeting people in the field uh, you know, of whatever your field of choice is. And I mean, this is like co-oping and interning. 
that is regardless of you know develop being a developer or not. Right, you, you know, any kind of job. I don't care what it is. If you're in marketing, go get a marketing job somewhere. Yeah, yeah. It, and here's the thing, guys. Like, not all internships um, pay, but there are some that do, and they pay pretty well, which is, I mean, fairly shocking. So that's that's definitely one thing to do. But I will add as as something on top of that. When you go in to interview for something uh, like a job that you want to get as an internship or a co-op, interview the company too. Find out what you're going to be doing because what's going to add the most value to you? Because I've been in situations at, at companies where we'll have interns and they'll throw them on some kind of garbage you know, project that's right. never really going to do anything. And really, you might as well just done some sort of project at school. As opposed to find out, hey, am I going to be touching code that's going to be live? Am I going Very to be working? Very important. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, mm, I know of at least one company, and I'm debating on whether or not I should say it, that uh, at least back there for a while, their big uh, co-op opportunity was they'd bring in people who literally just manned phones on a help desk. Yeah, it's so garbage. They, you know. They, they and they were taking anybody. You didn't have to be a developer or what, because you weren't going to touch code. So, uh, in terms of like value that that job brought to your experience, uh, it was pretty nil. And and also, you can go into a place thinking that you're going to be coding, and they might have something where you're going to be doing desktop support or something like that. Make it clear, hey, I want to come in. I want to work on code. I want to, you know. What I want out of this is I want to be able to walk away understanding some business behind these decisions that are made because that's one of the things, right? Like you can get in somewhere and you can code. It could be just like doing a project in school. But if you're not working on real code that matters, you're not going to get introduced to the real world problems. Like, I mean, I've had interns that I was, you know, working with where they'd be like, well, I deleted this line of code and it worked. And I'm like, well, what did you break by deleting that line of code? Right. And that's not something that you get. Unless you're thrown into that situation, so did, did either of you intern or co-op? I did not. Nope. No. Nope. So I'm the only one. Um, and honestly, I, I would say, man, it was awesome. Like you know, it, it, at least from my perspective, like I, I definitely feel that it it was a big help to me, um, and and only and also to like further my interest in you know th- that uh, that that career path. But um, and uh, I mean, it wasn't like I was doing a crazy amount of coding either. Really, in the beginning. But it was just, uh, you know, just being more around it in general was also just getting into the culture. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- there was something to be said for that too, you know. Um, and like you said, the networking cannot be understated. It's oh, God, huge. No. Yeah. I mean, the the only reason I didn't intern was I was already programming before I went into college, so I wasn't, and I was making good money doing it, so I, I wasn't looking for that type of experience, but. If I hadn't been, that would have been my first avenue. I, I absolutely yeah. would. Because, I mean, if you're in a college, they have resources. They have departments where you go to, you say, hey, I want to get into this. And they will place you, usually at a fairly decent-sized company. So, Yeah, usually there was like a, you know, every, every well, I'm thinking back when we were on a quarter system. But, you know, you, you knew the time of year, well, if you went and found out. Uh, there, you know, there was a specific time of year where the com- various companies would start coming around the campus, uh, looking for people to uh, co-op the next cycle, right? Yep. So, 
Yeah, and know? it's really the network's really big too because uh, they always say that the best hires are basically friends. So it's much easier, much cheaper than going through a recruiter. So and what you guys mentioned earlier too, um, they say that asking questions, good questions, is one of the best ways to do well in an interview. So show that you care about the company and that you you'll probably figure out you know a few problems that they might have that you can kind of speak to. So yeah. uh, I had a couple other things I want to throw in there too. So. Um, definitely learn FizzBuzz. <laughs> so not only will uh, being uh, being able to do FizzBuzz while you're asleep and uh, you know write it backwards, forwards, do it recursively, do it a bunch of different ways. Know that thing inside and out because you're going to see it, and it really does kind of cover a lot of the like the more basic things. So if you get a code test, you probably do well on it. And uh, also, I wanted to make sure that you're able to speak about things intelligently, whether it's design patterns or cloud or programming. You don't have to know every pattern. You know, you just have to know the role of patterns and why people think it's important. And I think the best way to pick that up is through networking, podcasts, meetups, stuff like that. So you can start kind of like talking basically like a programmer. So I think that's really important. And uh, also Reddit Hacker News, uh, although you can't really believe anything that you read. Wait a minute. I can't believe the kitty cats. <laughs> no. <laughs> Reddit is basically just a place to uh, post puns after people post content. Pun forgettable. Yep, pun oh, and uh, trolling, anger, rants. Um, also, uh, yeah, as I said, uh, LinkedIn is a great way to kind of network. So if you meet somebody, you know, you're cool in college, whatever, just go ahead and, you know, friend them up and uh, you guys can start exchanging those. <laughs> well, let's be honest. If, if if they're in college, they're probably already on more social platforms than I am. That's yeah. true. And yeah. they probably use them more than I do. Uh, make sure you have a good picture on LinkedIn, though, too. Uh, there's definitely a lot of interns that, yeah. you know, like the first thing you do in a resume is basically go look them up. And so many aren't on there. They don't have a picture. You know, there's nothing on there. It just, you know, makes it look like uh, they go you know. prune your Facebook timeline. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> or, or lock it down. But at least with LinkedIn, no, he's seriously, get a good picture of yourself up there. Um, and and make sure that you've kind of groomed it to be what you, what you want to present, right? Like it, it you may not have a resume built yet because you don't have any experience, but you know, let, let them know what you're looking for. Have your school in there, have your study, have the, the, you know, just some things that you've done. Like if you've messed around with any open source projects, you know, put a little bio or something about yourself on there. Yeah. And it shows, it shows that you're interested in actually be, becoming a professional and not like you, uh, you know, like playing Xbox and just woke up and what, you know, mom kicked you out of the house and so you need a job. <laughs> what was that? Right, right. Same. Um, a couple, a couple other things I want to touch on, though, real quick. Going back to if you do the internship, and I also want to touch on if you don't, but if you do the internship, another thing to know about that that is key that we didn't mention is, it, it, well, actually, Outlaw said that his transitioned into it. A lot of times, if you do a good job at your internship, they'll want to hire you and talk about a way to get the skills that you need to potentially get the next job you want. Oh, I was just saying that it like transitioned into me co-oping uh, you know, it, like a 40 hour job. Right. Like, cause originally, originally when I started co-oping, it was, you know, uh, you know, co-op for a quarter and then go to school for a quarter and then co-op for a quarter and then go to school for a quarter. But, um, gosh, I think, I guess it was my third time. It, it, it just as luck kind of would have it, the way it transitioned was, uh, you know, it wasn't just for a quarter. It was for, you know, year. You're so, you well, know, like it, it, it was, it wasn't like for a finite period of time, like it originally started out to be. Right. So, yeah. I and mean, that, that situation might have just been, you know, unique. Your mileage may vary, but, um, yeah. It's definitely a way to get your foot on the door. And like I said, if you do a good job while you're there, 
then then you might have an offer at, at the end of it. Um, and then let's talk about if you don't go that route. Uh, you don't have any skills because you don't have a job, and you don't have a job because you don't have any skills. Uh, pretty much what I'd say is the same thing I say to anybody. If you go on a job interview, it's it's like studying for a test, right? If you go to a place that says that they want C Sharp or they want Java, and you go in there and you have no idea about OO programming, and you walk in the door completely blind, you didn't Google what common Java interview questions are or any of that kind of stuff, then you set yourself up for failure. Yes, there are def- yeah, you probably don't want to try to go into a programming internship and not already know the first thing about programming. Well, not internship. I'm talking about like the job interview. So let's say that you've made it through your senior. Now you're trying to get out there in the real world. You didn't do the internship, right? So my thing is, is first off, <laughs> first off, how'd you miss all of that in, in all your classes? Well, no, I mean, so here's the thing. I've interviewed a fair share of interns. And the thing is, they might know they've heard the word polymorphism. You tell them to write it up on the board, and a lot of them struggle, right? Because, I mean, let's be honest. If you haven't written a lot of code outside of assignments, then a lot of those concepts are sort of foreign to you, right? Like It's like any test you study for. It's gone the next day. Yeah, I don't need someone to regurgitate the definition for me. I need someone to actually do the work. Right. So I, I just feel like we could do like it, you know, as we talk get into interviewing, I just feel like that could be an entire episode just by itself. Oh, there's no solely yeah, sure. on interviewing. No question. Um but I definitely think though, I mean, just short the short end of it is if you're looking at jobs that are saying they're going to pay $35,000 a year but they require 10 years of C++, 5 years of Java, you know, whatever, <laughs> then chances are you don't even want that job. And, and I'm not trying to be facetious here, but um, another thing you have to keep in mind is a lot of times recruiters get a hold of those job postings and they put all that garbage on there. So the company might say, hey, we'd like to have somebody that has this experience, but it's not necessarily a necessity. So, or, and that's why I made the joke about uh, you know needing 15 years of Angular experience because I've seen a lot of times too where I don't know if it's the recruiter or the company, but like somewhere along the line there was a disconnect. Or, and it might not even be – it could be a company, but it could be like – you know, some HR person in the company right. who might not be, uh, you know, they're not technical, technical. Yeah. and, and, you know, someone tells them, Oh, uh, we need angular experience. And so they just throw out like, okay, well, this is the type of number that I normally associate to things. So I need somebody with X number of years, Five of experience. years and it's only been there for three. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yep. And when I'm, when I'm hiring someone, I don't care if you have two or three years or one year of whatever. I want to know that you're not going to make my life harder if we hire you. Yeah. And that's, that's all I really care about. That is key. And I mean, honestly, if you walk into an interview, interview like that and you're, and you're a novice, you're a beginner, be prepared to write some code, whether it's on the board, whether it's in a computer. If somebody does something, then you want to do that. And then one last part on this, what makes a rock star programmer? Anybody? Is this a joke? No, no. This is one of the questions that he had in regards to it. No, uh, I know it was, but it was just the way you put it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it's almost kind of like a dirty word nowadays. Like a lot, of, You'll still see companies occasionally say they're looking to hire ninjas or something, but it, that's kind of like... Uh, <laughs> I hate that term. Yeah, and it's kind of gotten a stigma attached now, so uh, I would definitely not put Rockstar on your resume. <laughs> no, nah, but I would you agree that probably, it, it, for me, if I'm working with somebody, whether it's, whether it's a beginner or an expert, I want them to be resourceful. Everything else can be learned, taught, whatever. But if, if somebody's first thing is 
to come bother somebody else because they didn't take the time to look something up or they didn't they weren't thorough then it just makes you want to send them to the you you want to send them back a link for uh let me google that for right you. right no seriously we so, should include that as a resource of the week yeah, the definitely. <laughs> somebody that's resourceful is probably one of the biggest things i mean it, there are people that are we've talked about wide versus deep programmers before i don't even care just <laughs> just if if somebody gives you something be resourceful enough to go try and figure out what you can and if you have a question about a part of the implementation then cool let's let's do it but but don't come to me after you get a problem and be like but hey what do i do that's like a that's being resourceful though that's like a personal trait like how do you even how do you you can't teach that i think you can yeah I, when I, they're kids I, I, it's a tough one but that is probably one of the most I think that people that can become rock star programmers are the ones that just they're stubborn. They they can't give up because they have to succeed, right? And and to do that you have to be resourceful. You can't just pester other people because you'd never get anything done. And and they won't get anything done and then everybody'd be frustrated. So I think most rock star programmers God, are tinkerers. They're tinkerers, right? They're people that, that they get a problem and then they start digging until they find it. And and that's not saying that you have to silo yourself so that that you never ask people questions. There's definitely a point to where no, there's definitely value in like asking, but there's a difference between like getting to the point to where you have enough background information on it that you can try to speak intelligently to the problem to whoever you're you're speaking to, versus, hey, I haven't even bothered to read the first sentence on this problem. Will you explain it to me like I'm five? Because right. you know. Because at that point, like, yeah, ain't nobody got time for that. We will leave a link. We will leave a link for those who have not been blessed with what we just uh, heard. There. We, we we all have jobs to do. That's my point, though. So, like, you know, you can't you can't pester me about uh, something if you haven't even if you haven't even taken the time to look into it for five minutes like why should i take the any interest in helping you solve it you know it, it's kind of like that uh that old saying about um y- 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 what is it uh um oh god i can't even remember it now oh, hold on I'll, I'll come back with it yeah i uh, also wanted to throw out there uh starting side projects is a good way to kind of you know do some like real world kind of programming and having something to show off on the resume or talk about so and if you do that use git because then you can use pull requests word to i and honestly oh, that here is i know what i was gonna say now sorry that the um you not even taking the time to look into it doesn't necessarily make it my problem it's kind of like going back to that old saying a poor planning on your part doesn't constitute an emergency on my part right right it, it, it feels very similar to that uh cliche statement i would agree um but the side project thing that joe just brought up one of the beautiful things about this start it if you start doing things wrong or if it's something that's enticing enough, other people will come along. And if they're using Git, then you could absolutely get them to put in pull requests. And then all of a sudden you get other people's perspective on your own code. God, I love Git. So um, definitely an interesting thing. All right, Indeed. Outlaw, move us into the next can, one. Can Git be my resource that I like? <laughs> Git? Every episode? You should just do everything in Git. Yeah. You should make like, you know, use Git for your file system backup. <laughs> okay. So, oh, I'm introducing uh, the next one. Yes. So, uh, Maze? Maz? Maze? Maz? Not sure. M-A-A-Z. Maz. Maz. Okay, we'll go with that. Yes. And and if we're wrong, 
blame Alan. Yes, fair so, enough. <laughs> <laughs> why program in Silverlight when it doesn't support many mobile platforms? It's kind of a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fairly easy one to answer, right? There's some dirty jokes that I could uh, give examples of, but yeah, it, I mean, the answer is just don't use it, right? Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, it's pretty much dead, whether they, Microsoft has officially announced it or not. Um, Silverlight 5 came out in 2011. Last minor, minor security update was in July of 2014. So, My understanding from, from reading about it is that they're supporting it from, from, a point, from the point of view of like break, fix, or security. Um, but Till 2021. Not, right. But it's not under like, – it, it's dead. Yeah. There, there's not – They're not actively you know, They're moving away it. from that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's not really something you want to add to your resume now. You so, know. so the real question shouldn't be like, why program in Silverlight when it doesn't support many pro- mobile platforms? The the real question there is why program in Silverlight? And that's a very legit <clears throat> question, and probably one that you should ask yourself if you're doing any new stuff. Well, the, the real question is really, what should I do instead? Yes, then, right. Yes, and there are a lot of different options. We've talked about Xamarin quite a bit. Um, Cordova is another one. PhoneGap, Titanium, Accelerator. So there's other options. I don't really know enough to kind of speak to or recommend any of them in particular. But well, I will tell you this: if you are interested in doing cross-platform mobile development, probably Titanium should be one of the first ones that you look at, simply because it's free. Um, I and I think the only thing you have to pay for is like the um, the App Store license, developer license, if you want to push into into. Uh, like an iPhone or but, something but like Cordova that. But Cordova is an Apache project, though. Cordova yep. is, yeah. Um, it basically lets you write HTML and JavaScript. So, yeah, really, if you want to um, write things to, on, on all platforms, then HTML and JavaScript is fortunately the way to go. Yeah, and actually, my tip, of, my tip of the week is actually going to be one of those. Um, but, yeah, so so don't well, do so. I'm a big fan stuff. of, like, you know... This this is definitely going against uh, you know probably the current market trends, but like my personal take is unless let's take games out of it for out of the equation for a moment, mm-hmm. okay? Um, and I and I say that because game development you typically want access to m- more iron, yeah. right? You, you you want more processor, um, but <clears throat> so aside from games though, unless you have need for some of the low level subsystems on uh, a mobile device, you know, I'm kind of of the opinion then why are you bothering with the app? Just do, just do the HTML, you know, just do the mobile site for it. That's my personal opinion on it. Uh, I know that there's a lot of companies out there though, that is from a branding perspective. Yes. So there's definitely value in having your icon on that homepage, but well, I don't know. I definitely see like a wider reach. There's, if, if it's a mobile friendly, but uh, I w- site i will say this though a well done there is a nice convenience to having that app icon on your phone or on your tablet to where you're not going to a website right yeah but you can also just you can make it a wrapper you could no but i mean no 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 what i was gonna say is uh like any of these mobile platforms have the ability to save that page as an icon on your your home screen yeah, and I haven't seen too many people do that. You're talking about the web apps that you can do, like on iOS or anything. I'm not like even. That. I'm not even talking about. Uh, you know, there, so there's, there's the one extreme where you could make it a uh, feel like a native application that is, <clears throat> you know, just technically. I'm, I'm thinking of like the Amazon um, Cloud Reader app, where it was, uh, you know, just an app that ran inside a Safari on iOS, for example. Where you could you could save it to your uh, your home screen, 
but it was in uh, you know it was nothing more than a web page in reality, but it right. totally didn't look or act like one. It felt like you were inside of an app. Right. I wasn't even talking about that. I wasn't even really thinking of that extreme when I was saying that my preferences for the web page because I've kind of gotten out of the mar- out of the mood too for like apps in general and. <clears throat> I'm not trying to start. I think you're in the minority there. Yes, totally. I totally, I totally am, and I totally get that. Well, but I'm on board. But here's the thing, and in this next statement, let me let me preface this by saying, I am not trying to start any any flame wars. Okay, but Android ruined me for apps. God, I'd say iOS did for me, honestly. And here's the reason why. Okay, hmm. here's the reason why. It's because in in so each store, iOS versus Android, they have their own little models there for, for how things are sandboxed, right? right? And iOS takes the point of view of, hey, let's install the app. And then as you go along, I'm going to ask you for this permission. Hey, can I use your camera? No? Uh, okay, cool. Hey, can I have access to your contacts? No? Okay, cool. Whereas, you know, Android is like the, the fear tactic, Right, like up front, you know, it, it's everything up front. Like, hey, man, they want access to all your contacts, your text all messages, all your text messages, all your phone logs. You okay with installing this app? <laughs> um, no, yeah, no, definitely I'm really not, not okay with apps. installing that app. And yeah. you don't like them telling you about that? Well, no. So, so I definitely appreciate them telling it. I prefer the way iOS does it. Like, you know, hey, as this app needs it, it'll ask, and you can accept or deny those individual. Uh, permissions, you know, as as it's requested versus Android's approach, which is all up front. It wants these 10 permissions and you either take them all or you don't install the app. But it was because of that that Android kind of ruined me of the habit where I got to the point where I was like, you know what, if this company provides the same thing by a web page. I'll go to the page. I'm just going to go to the page. Yeah, because they can't gonna, access it. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to hit it through a browser. And And if they don't, maybe someone does provide the same thing through just a browser and and I kind of got out of the habit of the apps. I think that's kind of a nature of how um, people who develop apps so just really abuse what they're using on your phone. And and that's yeah, it's a shame. I really, that's the I, way it's going. I really think that that's a problem in the Android model that that it's surprising that it has lasted that long. Yeah. But you can write native apps uh, with quotes around it in HTML and JavaScript now. That's what stuff like Cordova and whatever does. You so can, yes. It's not a great experience. but Now, I know that for a while there, I don't know uh, if Apple's still bad about it, but uh, there for a while there, if you wrote, if you had a web page, a mobile web page, and you had an app that was just nothing more than a, a wrapper around that, and you try to submit it to the App Store. They're like, no depending thanks. on your reviewer, you might not, uh, you might not have. Which luck makes with sense because you can change out the back end on it real easy, and that's what they don't want. Well, um, yeah. Well, going back to that, we mentioned Titanium, PhoneGap, Cordova, Xamarin. There's another one that's actually kind of interesting that Windows is doing now for their cross-platform type stuff, and it's called WinJS, and we'll have a link in there. And it, it looks kind of cool. Uh, who knows how long they'll support it? But you know, right now, kind of neat. All right, so on to resources we like. Um, this is actually not really a resource, but I, I like it a lot, so I threw it in here. Uh, this is a really cool blog post about that's... generating mazes. And uh, this is actually uh, by a guy that's really cool. Um, I, I forget his name. I'm going to look it up right now. But uh, Cool guy. Cool guy, and he wrote a really cool book, too. Um, so, so cool, you forgot his name. Bob Nystrom, right? 
Well, and, with a uh, name like that. Well, if you went to this blog post, you wouldn't be picking on me right now because <laughs> it's awesome. He's come up with a, he's kind of cobbled together a couple different algorithms and just ends up kind of creating this cool little maze with rooms. And he talks about how he created it and why and the kind of patterns he put to use. And, and he's got a really cool way of visualizing it. So it's neat and it really breaks it down really well. And it's really well written article. I mean, there's dungeons. So what's not to like? Yeah, exactly. So who hasn't tried to create a video game, right? So Well, that is cool. Yeah, and I also wanted to pitch his book because I ended up buying it and reading a little bit, and it's um, Game Programming Patterns. And what it is is, like, he kind of looks at, like, design patterns specifically from the viewpoint of games. So he looks at patterns that are used widely in games, um, like the command pattern, and I forgot there's a couple others uh, in the book. I'm still in the beginning. But uh, it's just a really cool take on it, and it's a real practical view of these design patterns. And so I'm still reading it, but I just thought it was really good, and I dare you to not like this blog post holy smokes that thing is insane if you no, but if you just click the image up at the top okay you got to go to this link and at least click that first thing and watch it do its thing it's pretty amazing yeah and uh he's got the source code i feel like i'm watching like a it's definitely like watching snake yeah except cooler after you see it finish and he pretty much walks through every single design decision pattern so I've actually been looking at like maze creation and stuff, and there's a lot of cool information out there. So if you're looking for a project to do, this is a a pretty good one. So are you in a game development? Uh, I I enjoy gaming and I enjoy programming. So uh, I've definitely started and never finished many 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 things. That's kind of interesting. While while I enjoy gaming, I thoroughly do not enjoy the idea of writing a game. Hmm. I don't. It, it's never been anything that interests me. Yeah. I do, but I, I spent so much have you, time. Have you played uh, Destiny yet, man? Ever since Christmas, when Sony PlayStation Network was down, I, I oh my god, how did we not talk about? Oh god, uh, yeah. Ever don't since that, you said it once, you say it two more times, it might show up. <laughs> <laughs> I feel guilty already saying it the one time. Yeah, we'll yeah. bleep it out. I, I haven't played it yet. <laughs> we uh, totally should. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. Uh, now I want to say it two more times. Yeah, we don't want them shutting down our site. Um, but no, I haven't played it yet. Uh, at any rate, very cool. Uh, awesome resource. So Titanfall? No, no, neither of you have Titanfall. You no. play Titanfall. No, no. I thought you said you did. I played PS4. it on the PC. I don't know, but didn't you say you played it I on? I played it on the PC. Oh, it was you. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah? It's a lot of fun. I like it. You've watched it. No, I played it. You did play I, it? I, yeah, I've played it now. Did you like it? Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's fun. I still... Call of Duty has ruined me, man. Oh, Call of Duty so good. It has ruined me. Twitch. So, so you, but you said you haven't played Destiny yet. No. And I know you no, have. I have. You played Destiny. So, so here's what I mean is that, like, uh, Call of Duty, the gameplay just seems so much faster that, like, in Titanfall or, or, or uh, Destiny, I just feel like, all right, come on. Let's yeah. do this already. I always thought Halo uh, was slow, and Destiny is a Halo game. Um, you know, no matter what you say about it, it really is. <laughs> it plays exactly. Like, even how you jump, it's like, boom. Dude, after you go back to Halo after playing Call of Duty, you feel so like it's slow. child's play. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, but I mean, there was a lot. I still, I still have a lot of fun with Halo, but I will say, huge letdown. Okay, because what what's today's date? So, well, it is not going to matter. I, there, point is, is like there's what uh, a few more days left of halo 5 multiplayer and I'm, i gotta say i'm disappointed mm-hmm. it is not it uh, you know i'm one it, oh my god is it slow like if if the gameplay you know it, like we mentioned titanfall or destiny like if i'm thinking that those are slow 
oh my god, Halo Five is so slow. <laughs> like, it's like running like, through molasses the whole time. Like for I don't know if it's just because they're they're getting hammered into take to to get a uh, on a server, but yeah, it's it's. I'm sorry for that rant on gaming. <laughs> this is what you get for bringing up a, a blog on gaming. Yeah, yeah. All Call right. of Duty, man. So let's get into the uh, tips of the week now. Go ahead, Outlaw. Well, so I was going to mention, like, as the resources I like is uh, Git. So if you're not already always Git. Git. Oh, my God. I love it. So here's an awesome little Git tip for you. So let's say you have uh, some file. And there's a bunch of different changes in that file, and you want to commit only some of those changes, all right, but not all of them. And you don't, but you also don't want to have to delete the things that you don't want to commit, okay? And what I mean by that is like maybe, maybe you have some things in there that are like um, uh, debug statements or, you know, a method that you're not quite finished with or whatever, but. Um, you don't want to delete it, but you don't want to commit it either, but you want to commit the other parts. So you can interactively go through a file and commit the pieces, or let me say stage, the pieces of the changes that you want to stage to the commit. So what you do is, now this is git command line, okay? So if you're not on command line with me, we already have an issue here, but definitely get on command line. So you'll do a git space add space dash p and then the file name and then it'll interactively um, bring up you know each individual change and ask you you know do you want to stage this one or not right and and there's a whole slew of options like it'll bring up probably a total of like 10 different options that you can use so it's not only like do you want to stage it or not stage it but you can also say you know what let me decide later if i want to do that one or you know things like that so um you could go to the man page for git add just google it and it'll be the first link that'll pop up and it was p as in like parts or pieces i think patch. partial patch. Oh, patch. And patch. Okay. okay and sorry so thank you for clarifying that um and y- you can you can uh you know, select only the pieces. So like maybe maybe you have a change at the top of your file that you do want to commit and a change at the bottom of the file you don't want to commit. So when it when it bring, brings up that first change that you can say, yep, that one or no, not that one. Now here's another trick. If you have already let's say let's say you have this class uh foobar.java and you've already uh you already did a git add foobar.java. So it's already staged for your next commit. And you're like, oh, crap. I didn't want to commit all of that. There's some of those change sets that I don't want to commit. No problem. Git has you covered. You could do the same thing but in the opposite direction by doing a git space reset space dash p, again, like patch, and then the file name. And it'll do the exact opposite. It'll say, do you want to unstage this commit? Or not, right? And again, it's going to be the same options that it's giving you. But in this time, instead of asking you, do you want to stage the commit? It's going to ask you, do you want to unstage the commit? So does it keep your file changes still in place, but it's only staging the changes? So what you'll see, what you'll see after you do this operation, again, by command line, is that after doing this, if you do a git status, okay, git space status, what you'll see is, in the case of foobar.java, you'll see foobar.java added as a, uh, a, staged 
a file to be committed and as an unstaged file to be committed. Very nice. And if you do, if you then do a git diff on foobar.java, you'll see the parts of foobar.java that have not been staged for the commit. That's beautiful. So Sounds you like keep great, all your changes. Yep, yeah, it's a great way of uh, committing untested code. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's like there's so many little awesome bits about Git that like that that are just I don't see how anyone could not love like Git. committing untested code. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Like, I'm sure it works without this debugger statement. Yeah, right? and, and the thing is, is if you accidentally forget that one curly brace while you're unstaging your staging, yeah, you just broke everything. Yeah, or so, JavaScript, you uh, you don't commit that alert, and now suddenly everything's broken. So now uh, that we're okay, poo-pooing, so we're poo-pooing <laughs> all over his tip. You definitely have to, you know, you want to be careful about that, but that's just general, like anything that you're going to commit, you want to be careful about. Uh, no, no, I, do, I actually have used this, so... I, I just like to I just like to poo poo things. Okay, uh, I feel like awesome. we should have a link to poopery in the yeah. show notes. Oh, we should. That's going should. in resources yeah. we like. It'll probably be an affiliate link. So if you click it and for buy the resources it, just, you're done with, here's a resource we like. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. <laughs> there will be a link. Um, all right, uh, so mine, I actually have two, and that's only because of this particular episode. So um, the first one is, now that we also poo-pooed on Silverlight, I will say that if you are using Pluralsight and you are in a browser that has Silverlight, you will get much better results if you go to the settings on the Pluralsight video and say use Silverlight instead of the HTML5 web player. The HTML5 web player is terrible. It buffers all the time. It restarts. It, it's just, I, I don't understand why it's so bad, but it is. If you use Silverlight, it works perfectly every time. If you speed up the playback, it doesn't skip and pop. And it, it's, I, I don't get it. So that's tip number one, seeing as how we plug Pluralsight all the time. The next one, um, going back to the Silverlight thing for mobile, there is another um, framework out there called Ionic. And if you go to ionic dot or ionicframework.com, it's basically AngularJS, their version of doing cross-platform mobile. And you can actually, after you write the application, you can deploy it to iOS, Android, all these other platforms. So if well, isn't you... that ironic? <laughs> isn't it ionic? Um, <laughs> so... Uh, so that's that's my tip. I think it's it's pretty cool if you already are familiar with Angular. This is a really nice way to get started on doing a mobile application because they have a lot of, you know, built-in theme support and all that kind of stuff. So that it, it says looks here, like, you need ten years of Angular experience. <laughs> that's accurate. Um, so th- there's my tips. All right, and I just changed my tip, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want anyone poo-pooing anything. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got to recommend the Joel Spolsky books. It's, Wait, uh, why did you change it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like literally, he just changed it. Like just right now. Wait, what, are we talking about like an Is entire this library? Of forgettables nah. comment. <laughs> <laughs> Is this an entire library of books? That no, we're it's only about? like three. There's uh, there's actually two Joel on Joel on software books, which are collections of essays that he kind of curates, and he's got a couple in there too. But actually, what got me thinking about this was the the first question we talked about with the um, kind of you know going from school work to work work. I think a big part of actually kind of learning the vocabulary that we like we talked about is actually the business vocabulary as well, like the business of software. So I think he's got um, you know at least three books I know. I mentioned two, and the other one is Smart and Gets Things Done, which is uh, 
These are all great books, and they're kind of from the business side of software. So you're going to have a lot of really good articles in there about basically um, software development life cycles and shipping software and things like that that are really important to be able to talk about. So I did just uh, drop that in as my tip. And the factory, 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 factory. That's right. That's in there. <laughs> yep. I feel like you got to say what your original one was, though. We can't let you get away with this. All right. My original tip this one, was... This uh, one's for you, pun forgettable. There's another another book, great book by Douglas Crawford called, uh, Crawford called JavaScript, The Good Parts. And what I like about it is that it focuses it's on JavaScript. the good parts. And it, it does have um, a collection of not-so-great parts that are listed in an appendix, but it doesn't focus on them. It's a positive book, and <laughs> it tells you all the cool things that you can and should do. So if you wrote a book, it'd be the negative version. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not if I wrote it this year. JavaScript, the bad parts. No, it would be, there's parts of JavaScript? <laughs> it'd be a question. <laughs> Just JavaScript? <laughs> right. <laughs> but I'm saying positive this year, so uh, JavaScript, the good parts. All right. So I feel like uh, one of these books could help out with, uh, you know, like, you know, a programmer had a problem. He decided to use threads. Now, too, has he problems. Nice. <laughs> no, I like that one. Not that I don't like other ones. Wait, what? <laughs> anyway, so thanks for listening to Coding Blocks. <laughs> yeah, so that, that wraps up this particular show. Hey, just so you guys know, we did get a couple other questions, and we'll just have to fit those into future episodes so that this doesn't go on to a 10-hour show. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, but like we said before, though, uh, we really do appreciate – any feedback you guys can uh, provide. So, you know, be sure to uh, leave us some uh, feedback on you know, whatever your, your platform of choice of getting podcasts is, uh, whether it be iTunes or Stitcher or, uh, you know, Player FM or, you know, some other uh, app that's out there. We really appreciate the, the reviews and uh, they do go a long way to help other people to find us as well. And we appreciate that. And real quick, we did get uh, a comment saying that they couldn't write a review on Stitcher. And if you, I think that was from the mobile app. Yeah, if you are on mobile and you go to Stitcher.com, you don't get it. You actually have to either be on a desktop or you have to go to the web page as the desktop version in order to see that. So Total first world problem. Yeah, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's completely agreed. It's probably looking on his Note 3. Um, yeah. So uh, anyways, uh, visit us at codingblocks.net where you can find our show notes, our examples, discussion, and more. And we do leave pretty tremendous show notes. So please do visit. If we say so ourselves. Yeah, yeah, we think so. <laughs> and this will be actually www.codingblocks.net slash episode 22. Yep. And also make sure to send your feedback and questions to comments at codingblocks.net, and we will uh, talk about it on air. And also make sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you go follow us on LinkedIn, that would be awesome. And, uh, you know, if you friend us, we would probably endorse you. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Do you need 10 years of Angular experience? Well, now you got it. <laughs> That's right. I feel validated by my number of LinkedIn friends. Uh, God, I hate social. <laughs> Wait, that's supposed to be my answer. <laughs> All right, everybody. We will be back soon. There are two types of people in this world. Those who understand recursion and those who don't understand that there are two types of people in this world. <laughs> I'm smiling. <laughs> <laughs> wow, tough crowd.